we receive rewards in heaven. And I, I want to go to uh, the the first the first scripture, which is on page seventy one, and it's a scripture that we all know. It's Second Corinthians chapter five, and and. Uh, I just kind of want to read through the the verse and just kind of give us a real good handle on where we're going tonight. Now, this is Paul, and this is Paul's third letter, maybe, maybe his fourth letter to the Corinthians. He had written some other letters to the Corinthians, but they evidently didn't make the grade to be considered scripture, or they were lost or whatever. So, in fact, in... Uh, in 1 Corinthians, he makes mention of the last time I wrote you. So we know that there's at least one, and we think that there's probably two extra extra letters. But but um, so uh, 2 Corinthians is probably the third, maybe the fourth letter. So Paul knows them fairly pretty well, and they know him real well. Uh, so he says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God. Now, he's not talking about a structure. He's talking about our bodies. He's talking about our bodies. So he says, when this earthly house, which is our body, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. I was I was just sort of reading this chapter again today as I was studying, getting ready to come here, and I I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I said, are you all are you in the process of framing my house? <laughs> you know, my wife loves this. Uh, what's the channel the the uh, where they redo the houses and HGTV? She loves HGTV. And so uh, uh, I told her, I said, man, this is like an episode of HGTV. We're learning about a house that's being built for us. It says, for in this, in, in the, 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 our being here instead of being in heaven, in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we are in this tent, for we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, and that morality may be swallowed up by life, or mortality may be swallowed up by life. You know, every year we have a birthday, don't we? It comes around and we're either proud to have it or we do our best to keep it a secret. You know, it just sort of depends on what personality type you are. <laughs> the the My birthdays, most of the time, I just assume they just, you know, email me. <laughs> I don't want to be reminded, especially if it's a big birthday. You know, like 55 is a big deal. You know, 62 is a big deal. I can get a check, <laughs> you know, and then from then on. But but when we get to heaven, we won't have any more years. There's no such thing as age because there's there's no time, you know. Um, so now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. So the one who prepares the building is who? Huh? God. 
Who said, I am going to prepare a place for you? Jesus. Jesus, right. Now, he who has prepared for us this very thing, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. As a guarantee. In other words, he sent his Spirit and he said, look, until the end of this time, the Spirit will be here with us. The Spirit is the testimony. The Spirit is the proof of what Jesus said. It's the proof. It's the, if you will, the validation. Uh, Paul says here, guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. I've lost my place. Where am I? Okay. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So Paul says, listen, it's okay to be here, but man, it's better. It's better in heaven. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, whether we're here or we're not, to be well pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So, we could probably get about 40 different answers if we ask the question that the book answers, why do you want to go to heaven? Huh? Because Jesus is there. You know, they, uh, in this video, uh, Joni was talking about that people say to her, I bet you can't wait to get to heaven so you can get out of that wheelchair. You know, where you can get up and walk. And she said, you know what? That's not the most important thing. She said, the most important thing is I'll have a new heart. I'll have a new heart. There won't be any evil in it. You know, there'll, there'll only be only be good. So we want to go to heaven because Jesus is there. Uh, we want to go because that's our eternal home. That's our eternal home. I was talking to somebody a couple of days ago, and we were talking about, I was talking to another pastor, we were talking about being out on the road and our wives not being with us. So sometimes you have to go, like I have to go next month to Arkansas, and my wife can't go, she's got other commitments. And so uh, my oldest son is going to go with me, and we're going to be gone two or three days. Well, I, you know, I like my wife. I, I like her a lot. And uh, so when I come home from a meeting like that, I have noticed that the closer I get to the house, the faster I drive. The closer I get, the more uh, the anticipation of getting home. And I suspect it's that way with heaven is that. Uh, the further we get along this journey, we get to a point to where we have no desire to be here. Um, uh, I, I have a friend. Um, I, I don't know if I told you the story. Or not. I'm sure I told you the story about he's, uh, his grandmother was about to die. And they called him and said, come quickly. You know, Meemaw's about to pass away. And he went and he laid hands on her and God, God healed her. 
And about a year and a half later, a very similar thing happened. And he said he rushed and he got to her hospital bed and he still had his suit on from he had come straight from a meeting he was preaching. He said, and she was just barely breathing. And he said, and he, he sat down, he went and stood beside her bed and was going to pray for her. And he said she reached up with what strength she had left in her body and grabbed him by the tie and pulled his face down to hers and said, do not pray for me. I want to go home. So if we have the opportunity, you know, I, I, I think that it gets to a point to where you're just ready to go. I can't tell you how many people I know that that, that just uh, said, you know, I'm ready to go. And they, they went to bed and woke up with the Lord. How cool a deal is that? I mean, that's that's pretty neat. Um, and then uh, my, my buddy who uh, co-authored the book with me said... Uh, because it sure beats going to hell. <laughs> yeah, I think it probably does. <laughs> so, we'll be in heaven. When we get to heaven, you know, we're going to have stuff to do. Uh, we're not going to float around on a cloud with a little harp and, you know. Uh, uh, God has stuff for us to do. God's not through when we get there. In fact, the reason we all have to get there at the same time is God has some pretty big plans. And they're only seven years off from the time we we, we all come in the rapture. Um, but heaven will be a place of continual activity. There, There's no night in heaven. Uh, there's no need for it. Uh, plus, the Bible says that that heaven is lit by the glory of Christ that his that 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 uh, uh, that the just the the light of his glory shines and lights the whole the whole city the whole land so we won't need any more light bulbs amen um, no electric bills that's right yeah so we're going to look at who who will be there, how will we get there, and how can we be prepared before we ever go to heaven? And all these questions, obviously, are answered in the Bible. Uh, Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, let me get my Bible because I want to read part of this. Second Corinthians chapter 12, and I think it's verse 2. There is 1 Corinthians 12 to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. There we go. Uh, Paul says, Paul again, he's talking to the Corinthians and he's basically reminding them who he is. That he's the apostle, that he's their apostle. That uh, he has sent them letters and they have ignored much of what he taught when he was there and much that he had written them in his previous letters. And so he's at a point now where he's, he's, uh, he wants them straightened up and act right. So he says in verse 1 of chapter 12, I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. 
I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And then he goes on and says, And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. Now, if you look at what he's saying here, 12 years before Paul wrote this letter, he was in a town called Lister. And he preached there. And if you go to uh, Acts chapter 14, I'm going to tie this and I'm going to show you something really cool. God never put anything in the scripture that's just there to fill space. Uh, Acts chapter 14 and look at verse 19. Am I in the right spot? Let's see. Acts 14.19 and 14.20. I went too far. There we go. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Now, uh, Paul and Barnabas are in, in Lister and they've been preaching. They've been called out. And it says uh, in verse 11, or verse, verse 10, and they called out and they said, stand to your feet. Now they're talking to Paul. Stand to your feet. And at that, the man jumped up and he began to walk. So this is the, the a guy that they had had, had uh, laid hands on and God had healed him. And so then from that, they say to Paul, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in Lyconian language. The gods are come down to us in human form. And they thought that Barnabas was Zeus and Paul was Hermes. But when the apostle Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes. And they, they, they said, guys, you know, you're mistaken. You're mistaken. This is not, uh, uh, we're not gods that we, we represent the uh, God Almighty. Then uh, if you go over to... Uh, um, verse 17 yet he was not left himself without testimony he has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and he goes on and says this is all that God's done for you verse uh, 18 even with these words they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them in other words the crowd wanted to they wanted to do what they thought they ought to do rather than what Paul's telling them to do and so when you go across, when you when you go the other way from the way the crowd's going, you're probably going to get hurt. And so Paul goes on, uh, Acts goes on, it says, Then some Jews came from Antioch and from Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and he went back into the city. And the next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Now, so when Paul talks about this, uh, I knew a man. What he's saying is, he's giving witness, he's giving testimony to what happened to him in Lystra. It's very common in the scriptures and in writings of that day to speak of yourself in the third person. Uh, 
and and the the to to bring less uh, less attention to you, less attention to yourself. And so when Paul said, "I knew a man that was caught up into the third heaven," uh, scholars believe that uh, he was talking about himself. That so. Um, the Bible goes on to say that Paul heard unspeakable words in the presence of God. Unspeakable words in the presence of God. The um, What are those words? We don't know. We don't know because nobody can speak. They're so powerful that just that spoken word could cause all kinds of, of, of difficulty. If you go to John chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, John said on the Lord's day that he was caught up in the Spirit. Uh, The Bible tells us that we have been raised up together and made to sit in heavenly places. Um, The, the, uh, you know, some folks uh, worry about sort of like the... uh, the two you know the two apostles James and John and they asked the Lord they said you know who's going to sit at your right and your left hand when you know when we all get to heaven and and they asked Jesus really wasn't pleased with with their question but uh, I don't think where we're going to be in heaven is going to be nearly as important is that we are there and we are with the Lord amen uh, so our position is already set. Jesus said, I'm going to go and build you a place to live. If it wasn't true, I would have told you. But I'm going and I'm going to provide you a place to live. We already have that place. That place is prepared for us. If we went tonight on the way home and didn't make it home alive, we would be with the Lord and we would be living in a brand new house that is better than anything the Property Brothers on HGTV can think of. Amen? <laughs> so that we only get really brief glimpses of heaven um, and in the book it, it um, it says that um, we might be that well let me just find it right quick I quoted it this afternoon on Facebook so Oh, page uh, 75. God only gives us glimpses of heaven so we will not become discontent with our life here on earth. I mean, I can't tell you how many Christians I've known through the years who have basically given up on life. And there's an old Pentecostal, we were talking about old, old songs. There's an old Pentecostal song that says, hold the fort till Jesus comes. And that that a lot of people that's their mentality about Christianity. Well, man, I I, I know what's there for me. The Bible tells me what's there, so uh, I'm just going to hide in the bushes until that time comes. But that's not what God desires for us. So God only gives us a glimpse of heaven, so we'll not become discontent with our life here on earth. And the reason we are instructed to live in the kingdom of God is to prepare us to live in the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are not the same thing Um, 
So heaven is a place of great activity. Uh, the Bible talks about that in heaven there will be great amounts of singing. We'll spend a lot of our time singing uh, and praising God. Uh, that there is great worship that goes on in heaven. And the worship is from everything that God has created that's there. I mean, there are angels who their only job is to uh, is to to worship God. You know, holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. That's their whole job is to just, you know, fly around or sit around and holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. Um, so they'll be singing and praising, worshiping, serving God. Heaven is a place of rest only in that we rest from our troubles, our enemies, and our problems. Um, you know, I look forward to that. I look forward to that. Because it seems no matter what I do, there's still a problem somewhere, you know, I need to address or I need to fix or, you know, whatever. My mother-in-law said something the other day about something at the house, you know, needed to be done. I said, well, I, you know, I have a farmer mentality. Never do today what you can put off till tomorrow. <laughs> That's why a lot of tractors are just rust buckets. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, yeah. So, but the nice thing about being a Christian, being filled with the Holy Spirit, I think is that no matter what the troubles, the enemies, and the problems, we can still find joy in that we know God and he knows us. And you can, if, if you just trust God, it's incredible what you can handle, what you can go through in life. You know, it's just, I mean, I've, I've, seen so many things that would just kill you you know and yet if we just have that simple theology just trust God that somehow he always works it out always he never misses I miss sometimes because I want him to hurry up I, I'm, I don't like to wait you know give me patience and give it to me now I used to, when I was a young man, a young pastor in my early 20s, I used to pray that God would give me patience. And my life was miserable. I mean, we'd go from one bad meeting to another, and all kinds of stuff going on, and cars breaking down, and dogs dying, and God knows what else. And then one day I read in the Bible where it said, and we acquire patience through much tribulation. That day I quit praying for patience, and have that's 40 years ago. I haven't asked God for patience since. I don't want any more tribulation. Amen. Be careful what you pray for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be, be careful what you pray for. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's funny. The older I get, the simpler my prayers get. You know, they're just basically thanking God. Because it doesn't matter what we're going through, we can still thank God, you know. Because the I like that song that says the God of God of the mountain is still God of the valley. You know, I love that song. And uh, so, no matter where we are, we know one thing: God has a better place for us. 
Uh, heaven is a place of untiring energy. We will have glorified bodies that never, ever need to rest. We will have glorified bodies that will never need a physician. There will be no broken bones. There will be no cancer. There will be no heart disease. There will be no diabetes. Nothing. Because our glorified, of our glorified bodies. The blind will see perfect. The lame will run and jump. The deaf will talk. And our troubles will be behind us. You know, I, I think on earth, our, your troubles are what are only as powerful as you allow them to be. Uh, we we have kind of had a rough week this week. And I said to my wife last night, I said, uh, or yesterday afternoon, about 2 o'clock, I said, uh, I'm going to take you to Fort Worth. We're going out to dinner tonight. And she said, uh, can we afford it? <laughs> I said, yeah, we can afford to go to dinner. And uh, she said, why? I said, we just need to we just need to get away, you know. And so we went and we had uh, dinner with a couple of our our friends and and who are also uh, ministers and and uh, it's nice sometimes just to be able to talk to somebody who understands, you know. And so uh, it, it just it was a great time. Wasn't anything special? I mean, we went to Olive Garden, had dinner, big deal, you know. But God used that time to allow us time to just be alone. You know, so we won't have any trips to the doctor. Uh, there'll be no strikes, uh, no work delays, no police, no accidents, no no traffic, no fear, no failure, no limitations. Heaven is a place of certainty. Heaven is a place where we will worship God. The book of the Revelation describes heaven as a place of activity and continual worship. People are described as, as we said, praying, praising, shouting, singing, serving God. I think we'll just be so incredibly happy to be there. We won't know what to do but shout. I told a friend of my, a denominational friend of mine one time that uh, I was kidding him about how quiet his church was. <laughs> you know, I said, son, go, come go to church with me and life will scare you to death. <laughs> but when we get to heaven, it's not going to be a quiet place. Listen, God is a loud God. You look throughout the Old Testament and when God speaks or when he does something or when he creates, it's loud. It's loud. It's not demure and quiet and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, the Bible says we'll serve God. Revelation 22.3 says his servants shall serve him. Eight times the term servant is used in the Revelation. And it describes our future activity. We shall reign with Christ. The Bible tells us. Matthew 25. Jesus said, I will make you rulers over many things. Luke 19, our, uh, Jesus said, he would give us authority over various cities. 
uh, Revelation 20 says, We shall reign with Christ a thousand years on earth. A thousand years on earth. Uh, I, I wish we had time to do a class, maybe one of these days, uh, a class on eschatology. And just that, just that one sentence, we will reign with Christ a thousand years on the earth. I mean, that could take up weeks just to explain everything that's going on there. Uh, and we'll fellowship with God. And not only will we fellowship with God, but we'll fellowship with one another. Amen? And it's like we said before. Time no longer counts in heaven. I tell folks when I'm preaching, God doesn't own a watch. You know, I prayed and said, Lord, if you'll get on my time, I'll buy you a new watch. I got a gold watch. You can have it. Just get on my time. He He doesn't want my watch. Amen? Amen. That our fellowship and our conversation will all be pure. Uh, no gossiping, no backbiting, no criticism, no slander. That probably means there's not going to be any TV in heaven. Amen? <laughs> what, no Kardashians? Yeah. <laughs> uh, help me, Jesus. But we will dwell with one another in perfect love, peace, and unity. I was laughing the other day. I was talking to one of my sons, giving him a little marriage advice. And... And he said, Daddy, said, you and Mom are really tight. He said, you just, he said, how do you do it? I said, we just have learned to enjoy one another. You know, we've been through enough. If you've been a, a minister or a pastor, you've probably been somewhere where they beat you nearly to death and then threw you out the door, and all you've got is God and each other, you know. And it hurts, but the good news is God heals everything, you know. And I told a friend of mine one day, he said, uh, do you remember such and such? I said, I don't even remember. I don't even remember. it. I practice trying not to remember stuff. Uh, uh, that's, it's what God does. I mean, the Bible says he forgets our sin. That when it's cast away, he forgets it. So my wife says, you know, you forgot such and such. I said, I'm just being like God. <laughs> It doesn't work. It doesn't work, but it's a funny line. <laughs> so we'll we'll live together in perfect love, peace, unity. Jesus said that we would have great rewards in heaven. Matthew five twelve. He told uh, people who had been persecuted, "Great is your reward in heaven. Great is your reward in heaven." In Matthew 19, verse 29. Uh, Let me just read that. Matthew, what did I say? 19? Page Page 81. Oh, there you go. I don't know why I just numbered every other page in this book, but I did. Um, who knows? Could be, yeah, yeah. Jesus says to him, "Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven." In the Sermon on the Mount, and then chapter nineteen, he says, 
And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Matthew 6.20 he said, Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven whether neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, remember last week when Pastor showed the video of the young man who was wealthy and he came to Christ and he said, look, I obey all the rules. You know, I'm a very religious man. I've crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's. And Jesus said, okay, then sell all you've got and give it to the poor and then come back and follow me. And it says he went away sad because he could not do it. He couldn't give everything he had. Um, But where your heart is, or where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So... So where is our, where should our treasure be? Our treasure should be in our inheritance, right? And our inheritance, the Bible says, is the lost. So God has given us here on earth an inheritance, and that inheritance is lost people. And so our job is to go and to tell them about Christ and bring them in to where they can go where we're going. To where they can experience the joy of knowing God. That's our inheritance here on earth. The Bible teaches that there will be degrees of reward in heaven. Some greater, some less. But I can tell you one thing for sure. It will not matter. It will not matter. Now if I reached in my pocket tonight... And I gave you a dollar, and I gave you a dollar, and I gave you a dollar, and I gave Jerry a $20 bill. Somebody's probably going to get their feelings hurt. I mean, it's human nature, right? Well, how come he got 20? You didn't get anything. Yeah, yeah, you didn't get, Jerry got 20 bucks. I mean, he can afford, we can go to lunch. He got $20. (laughs) But, but in heaven, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter, and, and I this is this is Kennedy theology. So, so just take it for what it's worth. But I think we're just going to be so happy that we made it that it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. I just want to get there. I just want to get there. So there'll be some greater, some less. We know that um, the the twelve uh, disciples, the twelve apostles, will set in a special place. Now, my question always is, who's that 12th guy sitting there? You know, but uh, we can't get off into the weeds there tonight either, but I sure would like to. Um, But so Jesus told them, you're going to have a special place to sit in heaven. You're going to help me judge everything that's going on. So believers will all be equally saved, equally redeemed. Equally glorified citizens of heaven. But there will be some differences in how we serve and what we do. Uh, But we won't be equal in, in crowns or gifts or treasures or rank or authority. And again, I just think we won't care. 
we won't care. It won't matter to us. Uh, so, uh, Matthew twenty five twenty seven is what page is that on about ninety three, eighty three. I was close. Yeah, this is the one. Thirty four to forty. That's not the one I'm looking for. Uh, I'm looking for Matthew twenty five. 27. So, is it at the end of the chapter? Anyway, anyway, let me get it. Matthew 25, 27. Huh? Yeah, yeah, it's not in the book. Should have had a better author, I guess. So Jesus is talking, he says, well then, you should have put my my money on deposit. This is the, a pastor talked about these guys last week. And the guy, remember, that didn't, uh, uh, one of the servants got five talents, one got two, and this guy got one, and he just took his and hid it in the dirt because he said, you know, my, my master, my boss, is he's a tough guy, you know. And so when the master got back, he was not pleased with him. He said, you know, you could have at least stuck it in the bank and drawn some interest. Uh, this is back then, not today. <laughs> today you give them $100, they give you $98 back, and we're supposed to like it. <laughs> oh, I'm glad Jesus is coming soon. But the key to heaven's rewards is faithfulness. We serve out of faithfulness. We, the Bible talks about being full of faith. Um, we are, uh, it's a prepared place for a prepared people. That he's preparing us for eternity in a new place. Um, as I read the scriptures... The gist of things is that what we call the second coming of Christ, he's not coming to stand here beside us. The Bible says that we're going to look up and see him in the eastern sky, and we Paul said we will go to him. You know, uh, we'll, I don't know if it's like Superman flies or what, but however we get there, whether it's that way or just like that, the Bible says he will be in the air and we will go to him and he will take us to glory. We will be there seven years having supper. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's got to be pretty good. Jesse Duplantis said it was going to be Cajun food. <laughs> but after that seven years, we're going to come back with Christ. A lot of stuff's going to go on, the battles and all that sort of stuff. And then there's going to be a thousand year period where the devil is in chains in hell. And we will rule with Christ on this earth. And then after that, the Bible says that God's going to let the deceiver out of jail for a while. For a time. I never have understood that. That doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? But it's not about sense. It's about what God says God's going to do. Amen? And uh, so there will be people who are born during that thousand year pe period. 
There will be people who accept Christ and people who don't. But at the end of that thousand years, the Bible tells us that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And that that will be our abiding place for eternity. And I think, this is back to Kennedy theology, so don't say, well, you know, Dell said he saw this in the Bible. I think the Bible teaches that uh, that when when that time when the when the it talks it, it it says that that God is coming in all His glory in His triuneness that Father Son and Holy Spirit are coming together and that the power of God is so great that this creation cannot stand the force of the power of God and so God it will the Bible says it will explode and when it explodes then God has a new heaven and a new earth that will go on forever and ever and ever and ever now I don't know about you but that's pretty that's better than Star Wars amen that's some pretty cool stuff amen (laughs) 